Four years ago, a teacher at the University of Toronto um, put out a call for entries in a student competition to send an experiment into the International Space Station. Some students got on it. And today, some uh, Toronto High School students and a couple of university students became published scientists after sending worms to space. It's pretty cool. One of the students is Amy Freeman. She is a student researcher. Amy, you're now at uh, U of T, is that correct? Yep. Excellent. And what are you doing there? So I'm studying neuroscience and molecular genetics. Wow, pretty impressive. You're one of four students who were in grades 8 through 12 when you first proposed shooting a tube of microscopic uh, worms to orbit so you could study the effects of low gravity on muscle deterioration. Uh, when did they, uh, the worms get back? So the worms got back. Um, they were launched in July 2016, and they came back uh, in August 2016. Okay, so, so what exactly, your, your study was um, inspired by uh, a young girl whose father or grandfather passed away, one of your colleagues, uh, I guess now we can call her your colleague, right? Because uh, yeah. you're now published with her. Her grandfather passed away uh, from ALS, and so she came up with the idea of she wanted to find out how um, your muscles would react in space, drawing a connection between the disease and muscle loss with astronauts, correct? Yeah, so she... Um Basically, this we got involved in this project through our high school. Through it was a school project, um, and it was a school project for the grade eights. And uh, Annie Gravely, who was the one with, that uh, proposed the uh, the idea related to ALS, um, she was in grade eight at the time. And um, Alice Glasov was another grade eight. And basically, I was one of the mentors involved in the project. I was in grade twelve at the time, and wow. uh, Kay Wu was also uh, a mentor, and she was in grade eleven at the time. And we all got together, and Annie had this idea to do something related to ALS because it had a it was a personal uh, connection for her. Mm-hmm. And so we all decided that we wanted to look at something related to muscle atrophy. And we thought, oh well, astronauts in space experience muscle atrophy because there's much less gravity in space. Uh, so we decided, oh maybe we should look at muscle atrophy in some organism. And we ended up choosing uh, basically microscopic worms. Of did, the organism. Why did you choose, like, could you, is it just easier with the microscopic worms to send them up rather than grabbing an earthworm? Yeah, so uh, the, the program that we participated in, it was called uh, the Student Space Flight Experiments Program, and they had all these restrictions that we had to follow in order to send our experiment into space. And one of the restrictions was that we had to be able to fit our experiment into this small tube that was only about seven centimeters long. And so we couldn't fit uh, larger worms in the tube. We had to choose an organism that would fit in the tube and that also had enough uh, similarities genetically to humans. So we chose this worm that actually has a lot of uh, a lot of the same genes that humans do. That's so weird. What's the worm called? Uh, it's called. Its scientific name is uh, C. elegans. Say, th- um, say that again. Its scientific name is C. elegans. C. elegans. Yeah. All right. And so where would these worms exist? They're microscopic, microscopic, but where would they exist on Earth? Um, they they exist uh, normally in the Earth, but they're microscopic, so you can't really see them. Okay, interesting. So you send these worms up, but then you're doing, at the, simultaneously, you're studying the microscopic worms while they're here as well, right, on the planet? Yes, we, we sent an experiment into space for 70 days, and at the same time we had an experiment with the exact same conditions except for the microgravity on on Earth. And so what did you learn? Um, So when the worms returned from space, we were able to compare them. Uh, First of all, we looked at the size differences. 
And then we also used biochemical tests to see uh, what the differences in this enzyme we're looking at were. Um, so in terms of size, we found that the worms that returned from space were actually longer and thicker than the earthworms, or the worms that were on Earth. Uh, and that was very that was very surprising for us because we expected that they would experience uh, muscle deterioration, so they should have been smaller. Hmm. Uh, so that was shocking at first. Uh, and then we also looked at the levels of this enzyme that's involved in ALS, and we found that the enzyme is actually lower in the worms that were in space. And that was another big surprise for us because we would expect that the enzyme would be elevated in the space worms since the enzyme is elevated in uh, in ALS patients. Right. And is this so what would this say? I mean, could you theorize that if you send someone, you know, if you kind of replicate uh, low gravity or zero gravity, that you could actually stall or slow down the progression of ALS? I know that's a bit of a jump, but could it lead to something like that? Um, Yeah, it it definitely could lead to something like that in the future. But our our study would definitely have to be replicated because um, we were only allowed to send one tube into space. So it's really just one, uh, it's just, it hasn't been reproduced enough. Right, you want to find out if it's a fluke. Yeah, basically. Okay, so Um, are there plans to send more worms into space? um, We don't currently have plans to send more worms into space, but the Student Space Flight Experiment Program, uh, they they run every year, so hopefully another student group might be interested in this and try to replicate it. But the main finding that our study had was that these worms can actually survive for 70 days in space because most other studies, um, uh, we, to our knowledge, we haven't found any other study that has shown that these worms can survive in space. So we've, we've shown that they are an effective model organism to use for uh, space research and to muscle atrophy. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, now, how does it feel to be a published uh, scientist now? Feels great. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, I bet. And um, are you being taken more seriously by your profs now? <laughs> well, I I was recently published, so I'm not really sure. But uh, maybe when I go into my fourth year this year, I might they might mention it. Do you have the publication? <laughs> Do you have a copy of it? Um, it's it's online, so I don't have a physical copy. Okay, you can print that out. I would suggest you carry that around, or at least you know send your your all your profs a link this this summer. So you're uh, you're going on to study. Are there any other scientific experiments that you are uh, planning right now? Um, well, I'm actually conducting research right now at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Wow. Um, and I'm working on a project related to PTSD use for uh, or, sorry uh, cannabis use for PTSD. Wow. Amazing. Pretty impressive stuff. Well, uh, let, let us know how that research goes, because you know what? Uh, that's, you know, that's a big story, right? PTSD is a big problem right now, and cannabis is a hot topic. So yeah. I appreciate your time, Amy. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and congratulations on becoming a published scientist. Thank you, and thanks for having me on the show. Have a great afternoon. You too. Cheers. That's Amy Freeman, a scientist scientist, uh, and a researcher, now goes to U of T, but started out in grade 12, part of this Toronto High School um, study for a student competition to send an experiment into the International Space Station. How cool would that be? I remember experimenting with uh, planarias in grade 12. And they're not microscopic, but you lose one of those. Yeah, you've lost the experiment. big problems. Big problems.